Coming up in this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast, we'll be breaking down the decade of independence, the pluses, the minuses, the challenges. We'll also break down BYU football and what they need to do in the future. We'll also be talking about the WCC Conference Championship and BYU's role in it. What do they need to do? What are they doing well? This and much more in this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Cougar Insiders Podcast. This is Dick Harmon along with Brandon Gurney, Jeff Call, and Jay Drew. And we're starting off the new year by just talking about things that we had in the Deseret News. Over the weekend, we had a package that was kind of spearheaded by Jay Drew. We all kind of chimed in on the all-decade uh, team, independence, a decade of independence, what it means, what we've gone through. Jay, what stood out about the coverage that we had? Uh, what questions were, were really addressed? Yeah, it was really far-reaching. We went and covered all the high moments, the low moments, the big Big wins, the the uh, devastating losses. Um, we had some opinion from you in there, Dick, and and the uh, all decade team, which sparked some talk on Twitter and, and other places. So really, uh, I think we covered it all. Pretty much took those ten years, and of course, independence is the main thing. Uh, that the main change. Nine of those seasons were the Cougars were independent, so that was a big focus of the project. But uh, just I think four or five stories and charts and everything. You know, I, I'd point to this. If, if you have the opportunity to go to the Desert News, desertnews.com, and read, uh, you know, there's thousands and thousands of words of articles in there, and it would, uh, you know, kind of re- recap the whole thing. Jeff, uh, let me ask you, was it, was it important for BYU to go independent? Was it forced by the University of Utah's, you know, invitation to the Pac-12? Was it forced by the Mountain West Conference not giving TV rights? Uh, was the forcing of those things legitimate now that we look back? Was it a good plan? Well, I think if you look at the big scheme of things, I think, uh, you know, BYU did a lot of things to, I guess, maintain the Mountain West and to, to be a good partner with the Mountain West. But we all know that there were things, behind, you know, in the background, behind the scenes, uh, TV issues that were going on that was were difficult for BYU to deal with. And so I think once Utah made the decision to go, I think that was, looking back, I think it was the best thing for BYU to do at that time. And they did the best that they could. And they, I mean, getting a deal with ESPN, pretty impressive that they could do that. And uh ESPN helping out with scheduling. I mean, you you look at it, I think BYU made the right choice at that time. Brandon Gurney, um, I, I'm of the thought that going to independence was the right thing to do. They're playing teams, they're winning against some teams, losing some, but winning against teams that you would never have the opportunity to do so. But I'm going to ask you for a pulse of the fans. As I as I look at some of the reaction by fans over the last 24 hours, last month or so, there there are some that want to go back to the Mountain West Conference. But is that really is that really uh, something that would enhance BYU's football program? It's really difficult to say because the, the times have changed. I mean, the Mountain West isn't what it used to be going back it's not you're not playing tcu you're not playing utah it's a it's a diluted conference uh to what they were used to but i think what fans struggle with is just what is byu football what's the point what are what are they playing for um when you're playing at the end of the year and you know what where you're gonna go and it just seems like it's, there's a lot of uh, lack of intrigue um uh, with byu football it, it's just that there, there's not a, a good narrative with independence a good enough narrative yeah you can beat those teams but so what you know what bowl game you're going to you know what you're playing for. November's going to be lackluster, and 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 there's just a lack of intrigue uh, with BYU football that I think's kind of hard for fans to to get to get on with. Jay, as you look forward from from what we've seen in the past decade, if you look forward, what needs to happen with BYU's football program uh, to make independence work? That maybe is happening, hasn't happened, or will never happen. But what needs to be taking place with Kalani Satake and his program? 
I think, one, he needs more financial support. He needs the ability to get the best assistant coaches and pay them market value to bring in some of the brightest minds in college football. That would be one. Number two, they need to upgrade their talent level. They just need to get better players. How do you do that? That's very, very tricky at BYU, very difficult. It might take a little bit of uh, taking another look at their academic restrictions, maybe even some of the way they apply the honor code. There all sorts of things might have to be on the table for them. But I think those two things, I think they got to fund the program better with better coaching. And I think they just got to get better talent. Conversations over the last three weeks, I've talked to BYU coaches that were looking at LDS players. And I don't want to say that these LDS players weren't all total LDS and bought in, but a lot of them didn't want to be at BYU. They didn't want to come here for a lot of different reasons. And one one particular guy I was talking to says this one recruit, which was one of the top in the country, they were kind of crossing their fingers. They recruited him, but they're kind of crossing his fingers. We don't know if we want this guy because he's going to be high maintenance and we're going to probably get in trouble. And it's not good for the other members of our team to have the guy there. And when he went somewhere else, they're kind of going, well, we're off the hook now. That is the strangest things I've ever heard. To have a top LDS talented recruit and the coaching staff is going after him like crazy, crazy, but yet they're saying, yeah, I don't know. If he comes, we got a problem. Isn't is that kind of strange? Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird as we've, I think, part of it has to do with the transition of Utah going to the Pac-12 and everything, BYU going independent. But we're now seeing, we're in an era now where, whereas BYU used to get the majority of the best LDS athletes, now there's getting a, a little portion of those. And you're seeing them go to Utah and Stanford and other places, and, and that's difficult. I remember years and years ago, Glenn Tuckett, you probably remember this quote, Dick, but this is probably back in the early 80s, Glenn Tuckett made a comment in Sports Illustrated. He said, if if we were able to get all the best LDS athletes at our school, none of the King's horses or whatever could stop, could stop all us. All right. King's men could stop us. And so, and you know, for years, that's BYU built on that as their, their nucleus, getting the top LDS athletes and then supplementing outside from others. But now it's becoming very difficult to get a piece of that pie. And how you change that, how you fix it, I'm not sure. But uh, it, it's difficult with BYU's situation right now. It is strange because in order to be a, uh, a good standing athlete at BYU, and if you're LDS, it's required that you get an ecclesiastical endorsement from your bishop, uh, Brandon. And part of that is that you attend church every Sunday or as many as they can, you attend church. And if you don't do that, you can't be endorsed. There are athletes, uh, coaches that I've talked to that said to the coach, hey, do I really have to go to church? I don't want to. And they're members of the church. I don't want to. It's a hard thing to be a BYU athlete and a BYU student and to do exactly what you've been asked to do. And there are some guys that are just opting not to do that. When you consider everything that's going against BYU football and what this coaching staff is up against and just the natural barriers in the school, it really is extraordinary that they're able to do what, what they do. I, I know fans don't like to hear that. They don't like any excuses or just to, to patty cake anything. Um, but it really is true. Um, I, I don't think Kalani had any idea ju- just how big those restrictions would be. Um, I think any coach that comes to BYU is going to encounter the same thing because it is just different here. And uh, he's had to make some big adjustments. And, and your story is uh, extraordinary, Dick, but it's very credible just based on what we all know about BYU. 
BYU and, and how to fit people in. And it, it, it's a real, real struggle. And I, I don't know how, how to fix it, to be Jay, honest with you. Jay, is this a fair challenge for Kalani from, from say, me, somebody who's watched it for four decades? Kalani, you need to recruit harder and better. And if you don't get the LDS kids, you better be getting Jamal Williams-type guys to come in here. Number two, you need to stop losing games that you're ahead of and you should be winning. You just can't do that. If it means firing coaches that are in charge of the defense or the offense, you've got to do that. You've got to make some bold moves and not lose games that you should win, including the bowl game that you had a lead in the last minutes. And and number three, you've got to somehow increase the culture that you're building and build it into more of what it needs to be for these athletes to step up and be successful. I think he's done a great job and made a lot of progress, but he can do better. Are those three challenges that are, that are reasonable to ask of him? I think the middle one is reasonable, the one about you've got to win the games you're supposed to win. If you look back at this last season, if they had beat South Florida, if they'd beat Toledo, and maybe one of the two final games, Hawaii and San Diego State, winning both might be a, a, a little big ask since they were both on those teams' home, home fields. But if they had won three of those four games, everybody would be saying, what a great year. Wow, they've got it turned around. They've got it going again. So I would say that the first one, recruiting better with what Brandon just said, is those are real serious impediments that are that are keeping a lot of good players from coming to BYU. But I think Kalani is being paid fairly well. He uh, he has a coaching staff now that Tom Homo has said is, is paid higher more than any other coaching BYU coaching staff in history. So I think that second one can't be an excuse. They cannot lose two teams they should beat. Let's shift gears, gentlemen. Uh, and Jeff Call, we're now in the start of the, the WCC basketball season. What do we know now about BYU and the WCC that maybe we didn't know a month ago? Well, I think First, let me say, I think we'd all agree that uh, this team has exceeded expectations. I, I certainly did not expect going into the West Coast Conference with 11 wins for this team. Uh, I think that's just a credit of great coaching by, by Mark Pope. And this is a, a senior-laden team, a lot of veterans, guys that are hungry to get to the NCAA tournament. Some of these guys have never been to the NCAA tournament, which is remarkable. They've never been played in a game in the NCAA tournament. And so you add that together, and Mark Pope's had great schemes. And I think this team has learned a lot from their losses. You know, we, we go to practice and every time we go I mean you, you can hear Mark Pope talk about that Utah loss things that happened in that game which is a heartbreaker for BYU that they are trying to learn from and trying to change things especially defensively and so you know you go we're what a game into the West Coast Conference season and have this big game against St. Mary's on Thursday and you know they're well positioned if you look at the bracketologists or whatever I think the bracket matrix matrix has BYU in the tournament 52 out of 54 which is incredible it's been a long time since we've seen that so things are setting up nicely for BYU now the question is can they actually go out and do it can they win the games they're supposed to win can they knock off a St. Mary's and a Gonzaga during the conference and I don't think beginning of the season I would have said the odds of BYU getting a tournament were pretty slim and now they've got a decent shot of actually getting in the tournament Jay, in the, in their opener against LMU here in the Marriott Center, we saw a team that really did not shoot very well in BYU. They did not. And then they all of a sudden did. They made some three-pointers. But the defense was 
was really outstanding. What do we know about that game in league play that may carry over to now that they're going on the road to St. Mary's? Yeah, you had a column uh, last week before the game about character and about how Mark Pope was was stressing that. And that character really showed up in that LMU game because past BYU teams, when they're playing poorly on offense, they kind of packed it in on defense. And you didn't see this Saturday night. They actually got better on defense the worse they played on offense. And LMU had... uh, as Jeff wrote, I think record low scoring or or close to it uh, against BYU from the last you know couple decades. So I, I'd say that's the difference that I noticed is just like what you wrote about is just these guys don't bag it when they're not playing well offensively. They still stick to it on defense. Brandon Gurney, over the weekend you saw Pepperdine play Gonzaga and lead them and almost have a chance to beat them. You then saw a Pacific team go to four overtimes and beat St. Mary's. I think it was on St. Mary's home floor, wasn't it? Was it not? I can't remember. It was at Pacific. Was it, it was at Pacific, but Pacific yeah. got them, got St. Mary's. What does the weekend tell us about maybe this league? It, it tells you that you got to be up for every game. And uh, Jeff touched on it, but you have to win the games you're supposed to. Um, BYU's RPI is going to go down just by virtue of what's remaining on the schedule. And you and the margin of error just it, it, it decreases. It's it's not going to be as wide. I mean, BYU's right now everything is good and all that, but you can't do what St. Mary's did. You can't lose that game to Pacific. We know what the margin of error playing in the West Coast Conference is. It's basically nothing. So you have to win these games that you're supposed to win. And if Pope's able to do that, I think that's a big accomplishment because BYU has not been able to do that. Every year they're losing to Pepperdine. They're losing to San Diego. LMU. <laughs> Take your pick. Take I, your pick, yeah. I, I mean, I joke about this, but but what's the difference between these teams we're talking about? Santa Clara or San Francisco? you got to beat those teams. Just take care of business and you should be fine because I believe this is an NCAA tournament team. When you look at it play, this is a team that I don't think can only make the NCAA tournament. I think this is a team that, that can make some noise in that tournament. Uh, j- just with the experience, the way they're able to shoot the ball, and definitely Yoli Child. So. Let's go around the the, the horn here a little bit, fellas. Let's get your final word about whatever topic that you'd like to. Again, we remind you that we did a, a very extensive thing on the be- a decade of the uh, that just passed, uh, BYU and Independence. If you have a chance, go to DeseretNews.com. Uh, read the pieces by uh, Jay Drew, uh, myself, uh, Jeff Call, and uh, Brandon has always chimed in when he can, and you'll see him on social media. But let's go around the, the rim and talk about the thing that's on your mind right now as we end this podcast. Let's start with you, Jeff Call. Well, uh, I guess right now, besides basketball, the thing that I'm thinking about is Taysom Hill. I mean, I watched a little bit of that game yesterday against the Vikings. Uh, Incredible. I mean, I-, I could not help as I was watching him. Just his, kind of his whole BYU career flashed before my eyes. I mean, all the things that he went through, the four season-ending injuries and just tough great wins and difficult losses and you know we kind of saw him go up and down and and have some great games and struggle a little bit and so to see him kind of be in the NFL and get I mean everyone's talking about this guy healthy he's healthy for the first time that we've ever seen him yeah and I think that will always go down as one of the biggest um, what ifs in BYU sports history is what if Taysom Hill could have just stayed healthy look what he could have accomplished at BYU I mean we'll never know but uh, it's really nice to see a good guy like Taysom out there like you said healthy doing his thing and doing so many things that I, I remember when he was at BYU, I think a lot of people looked at him and said, wow, this guy could, he could play running back, he play fullback, tight end, probably safety. I mean, uh, special teams. I mean, he does a little bit of everything. It's just, it's really been fun to see him out there doing his thing. Nobody in the NFL has ever done what he's done before. 
Jay Drew, what's on your mind? One last word. We're right in the middle of football recruiting, and we just talked about the importance for BYU to get game changers, and Taysom Hill was a prime example, Jamal Williams. BYU needs game changers. They need difference makers. It's very hard to to get five-star, four-star guys. So that onus is on the coaches to find those diamonds in the rough. Uh, The February signing period is coming, and I really think they need to find some guys like that. And Tom Homo said it as well in the Q&A that we published in the Deseret News is they got to get the best LDS players and supplement them and find these guys that can live the culture, live the lifestyle, but can play football as well. Brandon Gurney, your final thoughts. My, I can't let this one go, but I, I think we did a generally an outstanding job with that that all decade team. But Mike Davis over Preston Hadley, I, <laughs> I I just can't get with that. I think it's a huge mistake. That's all I'm going to say. Preston Hadley had a much better career than Mike Davis at BYU. Anyway, will you forgive us? I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll have to chew on that one a bit. But um, what's on my mind is the BYU men's volleyball team. Uh, they've kind of fallen back where, where it seems like they're on the cusp of a national championship for a long time. They won the road. They beat Lewis. They beat Loyola. Uh, Chicago, they look good. Everyone's returning. Same same team as last year. They're going to be national championship contenders, it looks like, again. Very good. My final word, I'm probably closer to this than the rest of you, and that's going beyond the veil. And I just have to tip my hat to two great ones that passed on this past week. Roland Menson, a great scorer for BYU's basketball team, passed away. He was in his 90s. And then Liddell Anderson, I had a chance to work with him, to cover him, to get to know him uh, personally, a former BYU coach that also coached the University of Utah, athletic director and coach at Utah State, and with Utah Stars, a kind and gentle man, a person who always treated me with respect as a reporter, as, as just a person and a human being. Uh, our condolences and prayers go to the families of these two great figures in BYU athletics. With that, thanks for being a part of this Cougar Insider podcast. I'm Dick Harmon. Uh, we invite you to find this podcast wherever you, you do. Download it, listen to it. Uh, uh, we think it'll be worth your while. Thank you. 